1: Navigation system. Please say a command. On ignition. Powered. Seat belts fastened. Shift drive. Twin City Sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL broadcast studios. This is the Ride with Royce.
2: Wheeler on the attack. He has Shightley with him. Wheeler for Scheifele, It's up for
3: each skating in. Seven-two Winnipeg. Well, you know it's going pear-shaped when you get deflections like that off your own player. And the clock winds down. This one ends in a seven-two Jets victory.
2: Dissect it? I don't know. From about the 13-minute mark on in the, I don't know uh, of the f- first period, we just quit playing. Well, that's a, that's kind of a sad commentary on his team from Coach Boudreau that uh, they quit playing after 13 minutes. That's not good. It was up 2 0. But it's accurate. It, it was up two <laughs> zero and they stole one from us, right? They took one away. It could have been 3 0. Could have been 3 right? 0. Yeah. Uh, although we were offsides, right? I didn't see much dispute as to whether we were offsides or not. Well, so, uh, and I missed if, that part of it.
3: Yes, but again, th- I hate the because I heard this tossed out there on uh, I think it was a caller that 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 called into Mackey and Judd saying, well, when you outplay it, stop with the outplaying another team. It, it's 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 three periods just because you have a stretch where you might be. Quicker and the I, I just because you were
0: good for six that's minutes. That's exactly
3: something. right. Yeah. I it, it, that stuff drives me nuts, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, we hear it well, with the FSN broadcast. And it, it
2: sounded like Greeny was trying to tell us they got a little unlucky on that. So they got a little yeah. unlucky on that seventh goal. So, uh, and I did hear. I got myself a chuckle. You know, I don't blame Greenley for. He's managed to maintain his job for how many years? Sure. He hasn't been here from the get-go. They got rid no, of him. Who was... Because
3: uh, the first team was uh, Goldberg Goldberg and, and who was the color guy? I forget who the I color think, guy was. I think it was
0: Reed,
2: wasn't it? Was it time? Reed, Reed? was Reed, doing TV two, two before TV. he went over He's to the radio. went to radio. Yeah. All right. And Greeny got the job, and he wasn't... You know, there was nothing about him that said 15 years, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> but he survived, baby. He has survived by caring if they win or not, and also... Uh, Coming up with the, uh, I got the chuckle when they said, uh, when it, I think it was 6-2, when they, they when they made it 6-2, we heard that they hadn't been able to practice. Sure.
0: now And Boudreaux also used that later uh, mm-hmm. in his, later that his pulse has, game they and, that, had that practice. we hadn't practiced enough. You know? I don't
2: know. I don't never have covered a hockey team on a daily basis to know what the practice is. I guess all I've gone to is skates, which is 35 minutes a guy's... Hey, go chase there, yeah. yeah, right. And then they say, "Okay, we're going to do this and watch this guy tonight." It's a little, you know, watch this guy sneaking in, but it's it, to me it doesn't look like we're doing a lot of they do more coaching on the blackboard than they do on the ice. On the ice, yeah. That I can tell. But and hockey practices. now he had the one hockey practice. He had the one hard hockey practice the last time they were laying an egg like this. And remember, he mm-hmm. supposedly skated them hard, and blah blah blah. But I think it's like the NFL. Once an eighty-two game season starts, practices
3: virtually an hour. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: uh-huh. you don't, you know, you put in your stuff. And hockey certainly is not as strategic as football. But you put in your stuff, but you don't go out there and say, "Oh man, if we don't even able to practice." Listen, if practice NBA, was that important. Thing. It's exhibition games, okay. But if practice was this important, would they start training camp on Thursday and play their first game on Sunday exactly. like they do? I mean, it's, right. it's, uh, it's a joke, but, but uh, they uh, end up having so many excuses made for them. And when I heard, and I don't mean Excuse to keep me.
3: ripping ripping the, the green man, and that's not what my purpose is no, here. No, mine but,
2: either. I think he's a but, fine but,
3: guy. But he offers up I'm the comment him. of he's in the right spot. When the when the goal goes off of his skate, well, okay, but it's still a blunder. And yeah. I'm wondering, watching that live, I'm wondering, does the Minnesota sports fan really buy this, or do they just are they like me, where
2: they're just they're they're okay. watching you it know, and they're kind of listening? If you get beat three to two or four to two on an empty netter, then you can make some excuses. Right? Sure, sure. Seven and two. You now, I will say, when the game ended and they went back to them at the ranked they did say that they gotta play better. All right. Blah, well, you blah, stuck blah.
3: with it longer yeah, than I did. Yeah. Well,
2: I love <laughs> once I hear the once I get a taste of the excuse making, then I hang. Then with you it. can't I always, go anywhere. I, yeah, I'm pretty well glued in. And, and Wes... I was hoping against hope that Wes Walls was in studio be in studio <laughs> to say they're, they're they should be made to walk home or something. But uh, they uh, Ben Clymer was doing it, and he was okay. I mean, but they. uh they uh, it it is incredible the way it, the whole philosophy of FFS, FSN that we are partners with these teams. We do not cover these teams. We are partners with these teams. And the Wild, to me, take it to even more of an extreme than the Twins broadcast. I think you're, you're right. Yeah, Prince Telecast because a- well, and you've got
3: with Dick. Dick's there for all the games for the mm-hmm. Twins, and he's now got because Bert's not doing as much, so he's got. Essentially, three different partners throughout the course of the year that he yeah. that he's working with. And they with. can
2: be they can homer it up with the best of them. There's no doubt about it. But the uh, this wild thing has been 17 years of this. It's uh, okay. Uh, it's almost like we're getting commands from above that you cannot say anything critical. Well, exa- oh, that's exactly team. right. Because when you watch Jim Pete, Jim Pete will carve up the wolves. Well, he he has a high tolerance for them, but he, he will, you know, if it's bad, he'll say it's bad, you know. But if you can't come out and say, this is disgusting when it's seven to two uh, at and two days after you gave up six. Now, if they've had three straight shutouts like they had a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. And then they give up seven out of nowhere. You say, boy, what? how the hell did this happen? It's just a club. You've given up thirteen goals in two games. They
0: and they they, they mentioned that in, in uh Boudreaux's press or too after they've they've given up thirty goals in the last seven games.
2: Yeah, since they had the shutouts. Since right? they had
0: since they had the shutouts, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thirty goals in the last seven games.
2: Well, I don't know.
0: It's thirteen uh, of them in the last two days it's,
2: uh, it's a phenomenon. Uh to, And as I said, on Twitter, this reaffirms my decision to declare Sid the winner of the forty-year war on how to cover sports teams, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is how Sid would cover it if he was a broadcaster, right?
3: And there's more of them than there are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are. It's uh, it's incredible
2: that uh, we uh, we can, but it's go not out just here. Way. No, no, is it no not it's just, national. It, yeah, it's. I told you I was a couple of years ago when I was driving down to Florida, driving the car down. I had the car with the satellite in it. Uh, so it must have been three years ago. I heard the Atlanta Hawks uh broadcast on on no, it was on the it was on the uh, it was just on I, satellite. I got radio? close enough on the south. Oh, okay, okay, I got close enough in the south to listen to it. This guy apparently he's been doing them for thirty years. Yep, he can fit in to the play by play. We're getting screwed. Oh, we're, as, better, missed as, calls, as, yes. But as, hey, you know, uh, okay, for want of a better word, who uh, who they got now? I don't need
0: Dennis Schroeder.
2: Yeah, he says, Schroeder, he gets fouled. He, uh, he comes up and you know. Uh, he works it foul, into not the. not called. Yeah. yeah, but it's in the play-by-play. The We're getting Schroeder hose. drives in, yeah. shut up, yeah. no yeah, good, yeah, but he was yeah, I mean, fouled he got, anyway. He got fouled on it, but it uh, <laughs> didn't call. And, you know, and it, but it's part of the play-by-play.
3: And yes, I'm so. wondering, too, because we've seen it, uh, recorded with, with college teams especially that, you know, people will get their credentials pulled mm-hmm. in some cases if they find an article is too um, critical of well, the product college,
2: the, the, day of the college newspaper you yeah. mean, or something.
3: we've yeah. seen stories like that all
2: the time yeah, that the coach tries to get, I think Gundy the guy who might go to Tennessee was uh, got in some big brawl with a with a, I know he had he had the brawl six seven years ago with the guy, but he also I think I read something this year. I think he was the coach that somebody had written something they didn't like in the college. That's a favorite. dangerous road to go down,
3: isn't it? Man. I mean, I'm I'm sure the you know the carts you know or the horses left the barn on that one because mm-hmm. most of these teams do control who sits in those chairs,
2: but that's a dangerous road to oh, be headed down. Oh, it's getting the the attempt with websites. With websites, the attempt to control information is, uh, you know, with the team websites, Mm -hmm. the attempt to control information is greater than it ever has been. Right? Oh God, yes. Yeah,
3: it's uh, unbelievable. And they also, because if you are have the, you've get, you're granted, excuse me, special access that other outlets, media outlets, aren't privy to, which is Uh, a shame. All
2: right, we uh, shall return. Uh, We'll see what we got when we come. I heard today, uh, I, I missed the 9 o'clock portion of uh, of uh, Judd and Mackey because, what do we call it, Mackey and Judd? Homer and Panic. Homer and Panic, that's yep. even better. <laughs> uh, which I guess uh, Phil hadn't been, he hadn't worked for a while, right? He was all fired up about uh, Fleck again to defend uh, Fleck something uh, terrifically. And then they went back to that when I was listening later. And this phone call came in from Roderick. And I thought, boy, I wish I was as smart as Roderick explaining the problem with this guy, Phil Fleck.
1: Roderick, what's going on, man? Hey, I just wanted to kind of echo that last uh, email you just read that I agree that most people should give, or everybody really should give PJ Fleck at least four years. I think every coach should get four years to put in their system and get their recruits in and then evaluate how they're doing. And so trying to fire him after one year is just ridiculous. Having said that, though, I am also not a fan of the rah-rah because I think all of that Tony Robbins-type talk, only simple-minded people fall for that stuff. If you're 18 or 20 or college age, then you're kind of more simple-minded, and I can understand being attracted to that. When I was in that age, I was probably more attracted to that than I am now. And my advice for P.J. Fleck is to kind of know your audience when you come out with that stuff after, I think it was Illinois, they beat Illinois and he said something to the effect of, you know, a win like that, a performance like that makes you want to change your life. And I wanted to throw something at the television. <laughs> He's like, dude, You guys are a losing record. You can't continue to talk Tony Robbins if you're 0 and 8 or, or having a terrible season. Like Judd just said, if we're winning, if we're beating Wisconsin or Iowa and we're, you know, competing for the division title, maybe even a conference title, then we will accept all of that stupid, silly stuff. But if we're losing and losing as bad as we are, when you get in front of the media where mostly adults are going to be watching you, know that your audience who's going to watch this is not going to accept it. When you go on recruiting trips, talk all the Tony Robbins stuff you want to. When you're on the documentary on ESPNU, talk all that Tony Robbins stuff because the audience is directed toward the kids. But if you're in a press conference at the end of a game, most of the time adults are going to be watching that and they want to know the X's and O's, not some little speech about, you know, we were in the now, we were in the past, now we're in the now and blah, blah, blah. Stop with that simple-minded stuff. We're not four years old. And people who believe that I think are just kind of a little gullible and you should know your audience and not do that. But I mean, having said all that, you should be there for at least four years.
2: Let's hear it for Roderick. Wow. Hey, Roderick. Bravo. That's uh, absolutely uh, terrific. And uh, that's exactly my point. I have never suggested we should run PJ Fleck out of no, here. No, nobody on no, this show by, has. Nobody in the state has. No, Nobody yeah. in the state has. So that's a straw man argument. Uh, just know your audience. Uh, shut up. You got embarrassed by, don't come out and tell me it's all on me after you make 15 excuses. Right? Well, you know, know your audience. And, uh, what do we... But here's the other thing, we, too. What are we so... Fired up about defending him about,
3: and that's what I don't get, Pat. He's because not it's not taking
2: that much heat. When it,
3: that's just it, and when you when you offer up a counter argument to, well, I, okay, I believe he can coach, and he might very well turn sure. this around. But but there is a part of me that has resistance for the what I view as false bravado and the false rah rah. And then you're viewed it well, you're just old and out of touch, and you don't get it. No, I'm not old and out of touch, and don't get it. I'm the target audience of people that should be buying tickets to go to games on Saturday, and I'm not going to.
0: One of the things, too, and and Reavers, you remember I kind of mentioned this last week when Chorsky was in for Pat. The, The thing that bothers me is I'm watching a game. I'm watching them play Purdue, and they're up by one with two and a half minutes left, and... They, they, you know, you got a chance to go down and score a touchdown and maybe put the game yeah. out of reach for Purdue. He plays for a field goal. Yeah, runs the ball three times, plays for the field goal, and then you know we know the rest. Of what happened in that game? What's bothering me is if I say something about that, if I tweet something out about that, yeah. it's. Row the give him a chance. Give him a chance. Yeah, R- yeah. roll the boat. Tom 27 on Twitter yeah. is tweeting at me. Oh, you got to give him a chance, and, you know, you got to get on well, board. Yeah, he had and... a
2: chance. He had a chance to yeah. win this game. That's the chance you're yeah. talking about. And, uh, you know, another thing that I heard uh, Jed and Phil talking about, and Jed made this point erroneously, that uh, it's all about creating – And optimism within his players, I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing him here, that, you know, this is all intended to create a determination and optimism, whatever you want, in his players. Well, no, it's not. When you go out to play Wisconsin and your players know from the fourth minute of the game that all you're trying to do is hold the score down, you know that we that they sends played, a message. they played that entire game yeah. to try not to get beat fifty to nothing. Mm-hmm. There was no attempt to win that game. Doesn't that offend anybody? And now I got another guy I want to rip. Nobody loves Randball more than me. Would you agree with oh, that? Oh God, yeah, I love Randball. I'm a big Randball fan.
3: But what did he do now?
2: Randball wrote about how we we should really think this. He wrote this season was a success. Uh, not based on wins and losses, but on what he was trying to create. But he also went with the remember, come on, pop up now. Remember, he is the the old line about he's won more games in his first year than any other new first-year coach in the recent times, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yes, but. Then there's also the Ricey analytics on this topic. Ooh, I love Ricey analytics. I got analytics on this. Uh, there have been 10 full-time coaches since Murray Warmouth was run out of here in 1971. Okay. This is the plus-minus on wins in the first season compared to the prior season. All right. I tweeted this out. 1972, Cal stole zero. Same as the previous year. 1979, Joe Salem, minus one. Okay. 1984, Lou Holtz, plus three. Okay. 1986, John Gudekunst, minus one with an asterisk, because Goody had pitched, had coached the, uh, the bowl, game the, the bowl game the year before. When but, Lou went to Notre Dame. it was one less win than the previous year. 1992, Jim Wacker, actually, zero. Oh, really? Goody won two. He won two. (laughs) 1997, Glenn Mason, minus one. All right. Because Wacky won four his last year. Mace won three. 2007, Tim Brewster. Now, Mace got fired for going six and seven. Tim Brewster, minus five.
0: Oh, God. God. One and 11. 2011,
2: Jerry Kill, zero. 2016, Tracy Clays, plus three. 2017, Phil Fleck, minus four. Uh so that is a certainly a much more valid way to look at it to give you an example of what they inherited and what they did with it, right? Well, 100%. Mm-hmm. And now
3: the question remains, will we know... Or is it going to be a while before we find out if they're going to accept a bowl bid at five and seven? Uh no, they do not because they came up with enough
2: six and six teams. They did, yes, okay. Enough six and six teams it, uh, made it. Can I? Can I, I think I make the this... Buffalo Bulls might have made it. I don't know. Well, we beat them. I That's a moral victory yeah. right there.
0: Can I make this one last point? Because I know we got to go no. to break here in a second. Okay, five and seven. You should have beaten Maryland. Yes. Because they were starting their third string quarterback, and, and that you, was that was the hype that was going into yeah. that game. Was Maryland starting their third string well, quarterback so the going to win
2: eleven point favorites?
0: Yeah, so you you lost to Maryland. You should have won that point game. Favors. You you know Purdue was probably better than you this year, but yep. you, had a, you had a chance to, chance to win to that to win that game. Yes. So you win those two games, yeah, you are seven, seven and five, game, and you are going, well, well, going to a decent well, bowl, and then I think you can look at it and say, okay, well, you know, mm-hmm. but
2: yes, yes, I am not saying, you know. Nobody's trying to fire him. No, but don't try to sugarcoat five and seven. That lousy attendance and five and seven on the field and at the gate. Failure. There's no debate about it. Failure. And that was the criticism,
3: among other things, with Tracy, was that, remember, after the home game against Northwestern, Uh, they they were mad because they said terrible attendance. Well, the Wisconsin game wasn't even close to sold out. No, God, no.
2: Okay. All
4: right, we'll be back.
2: Here's Johnny Height with a sports update.
4: Thank you, Patrick. This update's sponsored by Indeed.com. Are you hiring? Join the over 3 million businesses that use Indeed.com for hiring. Post your next job opening on the world's number one job site, Indeed.com. Timberwolves in action tonight. Washington in town for a game at the Target Center. Uh, Wizard star, of course, John Wall. He's uh, got that knee injury. He's out for a couple of weeks. He will not be playing tonight. As far as the Wolves go, uh, Nomanja Bielica and Jeff T. Nemanja Bielica. Yeah, John. Oh, well, I've been saying it the other way all day. So
0: <laughs> not even just try. call him Belly. That's what so everybody I want to
2: and uh, Talk to this young lady, uh, Dali Daliani's uh, Rosato with the uh, volleyball team. Uh-huh. They just call her D. D.
4: <laughs> Much easier. <laughs> well, both Belly and Teague. Yeah, Belly and Teague. That's they it. took yeah. a limited part in this morning shoot-around. They said they'll warm up tonight and see if they're able to play. I call him the, the Greek, Greek, Greek. freak. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. no. No, that's, I, I,
0: that's, I, I, that's somebody else. Atentacumbo. Atentacumbo. That's
2: What is his homeland? He's from Serbia, right? Isn't he Serbian? Bielica. I'm going to look at up. You know, life was a lot easier when we just had Yugoslavia. <laughs> yeah, we had six of them there, and we were just Yugoslavia. What the hell?
4: Wild. Bunch of commies like, anyway. I think he's, I
2: think he's, from, I think he's from Serbia. Anyway. I think.
4: The Wild are now off until Thursday, when they play Vegas at the Excel Energy Center today. Wild defenseman Matt Dumba hit with a five thousand dollar fine. Uh, that's the most uh, you can hit a player with under the NHL's collective bargaining agreement for unsportsmanlike conduct. He was penalized at the end of the first period last night when he squirted water out of his water bottle.
2: Yeah, what Randy? Ma, what did it cost, Randy? Ma? It was like ten grand. That I was think, against referee, the Rams, it, right?
3: Yes, yeah, right. and it was a playoff game on a mm-hmm. national stage. Uh, Belly is from uh, Serbia, and okay. he will get his revenge because. He was selected by the Washington Wizards in the second round. And then we made a trade. Taps has
0: got to play him a
4: little more, I think.
0: He's been playing well when he's been out there. Yes,
4: he is. Debry Croft went to social media today to explain his decision to leave the University of Minnesota. The now former Gophers quarterback cited an incident that led to his suspension early in his sophomore season. Uh, His sweet read, after the semester ends, I'll be transferring from the University of Minnesota. Due to an unfortunate situation, I've decided to leave the football program. I was falsely accused of damaging a door, which I was indefinitely suspended for. Video clearly shows my innocence, which has created a very uncomfortable environment, which my family and I have decided to depart from the university and start a new chapter. South Dakota needs a quarterback. Straveler
3: is uh,
2: graduating. so.
3: Well, if he wants to play quarterback, it's not going to be another Division One Power Five well, plus school. Plus,
2: he'd have to sit out a year.
4: Yeah, true. And Croft, in his statement, also thanked
2: former Gophers coach Jerry Kill for recruiting him. <laughs> which, which was the cheapest Ooh. shot of all. He, yeah. uh, and he said the, the current the, he staff. He thanked the for, current staff for the season. Yes, yes. With a, not by name.
4: So for he was not rowing season. the boat on his no, way out of town. No, no. <laughs> Tiger Woods says he's on the other side of too many years relying on pain medication to cope with back surgeries. Of course, that led to his arrest six months ago on DUI. And he says, at this point, I'm loving life now. He's making yet another return to competition this week at the Hero World Challenge 18-man event with no cut at Albany Golf Club, his first tournament in 10 months, and his first time competing since fusion surgery in April. Early indications are that Woods is in a much better spot. According to those who have played golf with him in recent weeks, his swing looks faster and more fluid, and they say
2: he appears to be happy and healthy. Including the President of the United States uh, played with him the other day, yes, that, uh... So, How uh, was his round? Uh, tremendous. We don't, yeah, it was <laughs> tremendous. tremendous. Terrific. <laughs> All righty, thanks, John. You bet. Adam Rittenberg is with us uh covers College Football for ESPN.com. Adam, uh, now, uh, we're he, now about two weeks ago I saw Jeff Brom's name thrown out as a Tennessee possibility, and now it's being thrown out again today. What do you think?
5: Yeah, well, yeah, he he's been mentioned, but the name that's uh, getting the most traction yeah. today, Patrick, is Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy. Um, multiple reports, including some from our, or one from our own Chris Lowe, that uh, that they are meeting uh, today uh, with Tennessee, Gundy in Tennessee, and you know they did talk uh, very extensively back in 2012 when Tennessee had a, a vacancy then, which ultimately went to Bush Jones. So. Uh, Mike Gundy is an Oklahoma State guy. Uh, he's had great success there. But he's also had some friction with the administration as well as with their super booster, T. Boone Pickens. So that's uh, that's right now where all the focus is at Tennessee.
2: Yeah, there was uh, T. Boone, uh, I think, after they gave up 60 or wherever it was to Oklahoma. Uh, I, I know it became a story because he tweeted out support of Gundy. Uh, Gundy, uh but what would that would be his motive, probably to uh, you know just maybe he's sick of beating his head against Oklahoma in that state too. Even though he beats them once in a while, you're never gonna you're never gonna be more than number two there in that state as far as the public's concerned.
5: Yeah, I mean obviously the record against Oklahoma isn't great. Uh, he had a really good team this year, uh, really good quarterback in Mason Rudolph who's leaving uh, for the NFL after the season. He's graduating, so it may it may work out as it's the time, although. I know Mike has, um, you know, kids that are still in high school, and you know, he's a Stillwater guy, loves it there. Um, you know, talking to one of his assistants today, uh, they, he was surprised that, that Gundy would, would consider a job like Tennessee, but um, you know, that's a place with a lot of resources. You know, the the offer that they're prepared to make Gundy is, is very high. Peyton Manning is behind it, so it's a lot of power behind uh, Tennessee situation because of what happened over the weekend with Drake Cianu. such an embarrassment. For
2: that program, <laughs> and uh, Adam, sometimes uh, it's uh, kind of good to get that out there, so they appreciate you again, right? I mean, you, you, you I might be moving. In fact, I'm even going to go talk to him. All of a sudden, uh, Gundy will be uh, more of a heroic figure with the Oklahoma State fans if he
5: stays. Well, it depends on how many times you can do it. Yes, so, right. You know, the, I mean, I, last year there were some conversations with Baylor. And, you know, he, like I mentioned, he did talk with Tennessee back in 2012. Um, so you don't want to go to the well too many times, although he <laughs> has uh, built up a lot of credibility uh, at Oklahoma State. I mean, I think they have uh, ten, 10 wins or more in five of their last seven seasons, and they have a chance to do it this year as they sit at 9-3 and three, if they can win their bowl game. So um, I think you, he's done about as well as you can do at Oklahoma State, which, as you noted, is not the traditional power in the state. Uh, but they have been very, very competitive.
2: Uh, so, uh, Arizona State is uh, Ray, uh, Ray Anderson, who used to be, we knew him as Denny Green's agent up here, and then he went to the NFL, and now he's, uh, he's got himself some hoity-toity title as the athletic director at Arizona State. He actually thinks it was worth $12 million to fire Todd Graham so he can hire uh, uh, Kevin Sumlin. Is that going to happen?
5: You know, that was what everyone expected because of the moves that were made on the same day. Someone yeah. being fired and Graham being fired. But in the last 24 hours, Patrick, uh, that there's not been much momentum for Kevin Sumlin. Okay. Uh, it can still happen. I uh, wouldn't surprise anybody if it does happen. But uh, I'm hearing, and it's good you point that out, both Anderson's background as an agent and his background in the NFL – um, I've been told by sources that uh, he could certainly, or he has looked at uh, some NFL candidates, already began the background process, vetting process for some candidates in the NFL. Now, who that is, we don't know, but uh, it wouldn't shock me at all, Patrick, if this ends up being somebody other than Kevin Sumlin, especially somebody with NFL roots.
2: And Sumlin can take a year off and collect his $10 million and uh, land somewhere in a year or two. he He's got, a, He's in no hurry, I would think.
5: Right, no, and he'll get another job, uh, you know, if it's not in this cycle, certainly next cycle. Um, You know, He's had a rough year, as you know, had that racist uh, uh, letter sent to his home, and, you know, really was never given much of a chance to keep the job. It seemed like they were motivated to make a change long before the season even kicked off at A&M, but he is a a really good recruiter. He's got a good, diverse background, uh, having been a Big Ten guy initially at Purdue, and then Ah uh, worked at Oklahoma and worked at uh, Texas A and M. Now uh, has worked out west at Washington State. So he could be a fit at a lot of different programs.
2: Hey Adam, I've been pointing this out. If Scott Frost indeed is going to Nebraska, and it sure looks like it, because uh, they got to get it right here one of these times. Uh, all of us, and if Brom stays at Purdue. Uh, PJ's got his work cut out for him in the West when you got uh, you got Chris you got Fitzgerald you got Ferenc, and you'd have Braum and Frost uh, there's some pretty good coaching in the uh, West division of the Big Ten
5: well as there should be I mean you know when, when, when we were talking on a more regular basis we, we were talking about the, the, the coaching uh, in the Big Ten not being up to par and it, it certainly did not match up to the, the money that was being brought in by the conference. And through its media deal to the schools, and what's changed is that the schools, as they should, are investing that money into better coaches, and you're seeing, you know, stronger hires throughout the league. There's Scott Frost would be another one at Nebraska. Jeff Brom certainly was a good one at Purdue if they're able to hold on to him a little bit longer. So, it's, you know, someone was asking me the other day about Illinois and Lovie Smith and how much they're struggling, and you know, yeah, they're going to get better because you can't get a whole lot no. worse. But who else is going to get worse? Yeah, that's right. the question. Is is you need somebody else to get worse for you to get better. And that may be tough in the Big 10 West.
2: It was kind of a surprise up here as loud and uh and uh, enthusiastic as some people were about Fleck. That nobody went to the games. Uh I mean the attendance was just as lousy as it had been at TCF Bank Stadium. But you watch games, you can you watch the film of games from uh Illinois now. Woo. They must be half full down there, huh?
5: It's that, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's been obviously rough. And, you know, they, they took a strategy this year to play as many freshmen as possible. And you know what's going to happen when you do that. There are going to be mistakes, there's going to be some lopsided games. I, I don't know how much they got accomplished. Mm-hmm. We'll have to find out next year when, when those guys are sophomores and, and they have that year of experience under their belt. But um, it was just blowout after blowout for the most part and no Big Ten wins and, and just a, a real lost season for Illinois. So, yeah, as, as you know, it's, it's it's a program that has never been able to sustain success in the modern era, uh, but uh, their new approach is to go young and, and hope it pays off in, in the next year or two.
2: Uh, Wisconsin, of course, unbeaten underdogs against Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, they've actually uh, been getting better. Uh, they know the nice whip whipped Iowa. They've had uh, – They've the schedules, you know. They made the Gophers look like idiots, but uh, I can't believe if they beat Ohio State, they're not in the Final Four.
5: Oh, oh they will be. Yeah, you, yeah, you'll see it tonight in the rankings reflected by the committee that um, they'll be in the top four tonight. And if you win your last game against Ohio State, a team that the committee regards well. Um, Despite two blowout losses, uh, you're not going anywhere. So, uh, Wisconsin just got the win. And this is, you know, they've, they've been here before where they're um, a really, really, really good program, but hasn't quite taken that step to be nationally elite. Well, here's their opportunity to get in the playoffs with a chance to compete for a national championship. That's all you can ask for at a program like Wisconsin, which you know, doesn't have some of the advantages of a lot of the, the, the teams that get into the playoffs the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons. Wisconsin doesn't have the access to talent that those programs do, but they have a really good team this year. It's a, uh, a, a, a shockingly athletic team, uh, especially on defense, and I, I, I think they're going to have a great chance to win this game on Saturday night.
2: Hey, Adam Adam Rittenberg's with us. ESPN.com covers college football. Adam, uh, the Gophers in Wisconsin have been playing for over 100 years. It's the longest rivalry west of the whatever it is. You know, it's some... Um, Uh, ancient rivalry, uh, they say it. Wisconsin, and it's always been pretty even. You know, Wisconsin had their runs. Of course, the Gophers killed them in the Bernie Bierman era. But Wisconsin has beaten them 14 times in a row. This is one of the most astounding stats in college football, if you ask me.
5: Yeah, it is. And unfortunately for Minnesota, it shows where the two programs are. And, you know, again, we talk about stability and continuity, but you know, a few programs were able to, to display it quite like Wisconsin. I was talking to Barry Alvarez about that <laughs> on Saturday before the game because you know Barry's been a constant. and you know he, he brought in Brett Bielema for for quite a while. and then they had a little bit of upheaval there, but they never stopped losing. And now they, now they seem set up for, for the foreseeable future, where you have you know three guys uh, in Paul Christ and their coordinators Joe Rudolph and Jimmy Leonard all of whom were Wisconsin players and all of whom look to be very, very happy at Wisconsin, not just for this year, but for many, many years to come. So that's what Minnesota needs. They need stability in the athletic director position. They need stability with their head coach. And they need to start just stringing together some solid seasons. I think it's going to happen here, especially with some upgraded talent. But uh, that's, that's why you've had a streak like that is because one program has been stable, and the other program has been chaotic.
2: Uh, Adam Rittenberg, one last question. Nebraska, how did they get here? The Gophers scored 54 points against them, and then the next two weeks got shut out in back-to-back games for the first time since 1950. Nebraska gave up over 50 in their last three games. How did they get here?
5: Well, I think it's a it's certainly a lack of talent and, you know, talking to coaches before the season, they pointed that out to me that, hey, Nebraska just doesn't have players right now and it's hard to believe because of the, the program's history, but um, that, that, that was evident, you know, certainly, um, at least down the stretch and, uh, you know, I think if it's Scott Frost or whoever comes in as the next coach of the Huskers, they're going to have to address the issue on defense right away. You know, Scott has an exciting offense, but he also has a really good defense at Central Florida, so um, I, I think he'll try to bring his coordinator if the coordinator is not in play for the UCF job, and uh, and try to get this thing back on track because the uh, the black shirt tradition is not being upheld <laughs>
2: right now in Lucas. No, I listened to a couple of the radio broadcasts, and uh, whenever they mentioned black shirts, they kind of chuckle. But uh, it's uh, it is uh, it is sad indeed. Hey Adam, thank you very much for your time. Have a good couple of hectic weeks here filling these coaching openings. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Patrick. (laughs) All right, sir. Adam Rittenberg, uh, ESPN.com. You can uh, find his stuff there on college football, part of the ESPN team that covers college football.
4: Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now.
2: I left my this day in history out the Bill V. You know what that is? Karma. Yeah. Because you were just bragging. Bragging how smart I am. <laughs> just second. Just second.
3: He's gonna run out and grab the information, the vital information that he needs for this day in history, which is on the opposite side of the counter, right there in the main studio where Such normally sits. It's our
2: guy. What you got? This day in history. Bill William L. Veck, 30-year-old president and owner of the Milwaukee Brewer American Association Baseball Club, November 27, 1943, and one of the most colorful figures in the sport, enlisted as a private today in the United States Marines. Vec, married and the father of three children, was given a nine day furlough before he reports for training at San Diego, California. The energetic young Vec, who seldom wears a tie or a hat, <laughs> uh, bought the Milwaukee Club, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyway, Bill Vec uh, on this day, 1943, and he gave a war, a leg to the effort. Uh, he lost a yes, leg. Did. He lost a leg. And, Which he uh, used
3: to put cigarettes out on, right? The, the replacement?
2: Yes, yes. And, uh, and he went for the whole peg leg. He didn't, he didn't go anything fancy. Uh, one of my great moments, watching him drink beer at Wrigley Field in 1983, sat with him for seven innings on a beautiful sunny day. Bill Beck, uh, another one of our greatest generations.